Good evening, everyone. Oh, my. That is not going to do, folks, on Christmas Eve. New, no, new, no, new, no, new, no, new, no, new. No. New, no, new. No. Let's try that again. Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. We have a wonderful evening planned for you uh, tonight, planned for uh, just a night of singing and rejoicing and celebrating uh, the first advent of our Savior as we look forward to his second advent on the last day as well. Just a couple of announcements before we begin. First of all, most of you have cell phones. If you have not already muted it or put it on vibrate, please do so now. I'll wait. Okay. And then secondly, you are welcome to take pictures, but please do not have any flash photography. This is a worship service, uh, and we want to keep the sanctity of the sanctuary and also keep the sanctity of our worship here this evening. So please silence your cell phones and also please no flash photography. Towards the end of the service, we are going to be singing Silent Night, and all of you should have given, Bob, I'm going to borrow your candle, okay? All of you should have been given, or most of you should have been given one of these candles that looks something like this, okay? There's a bit of a trick on how to light the candles, okay? The elders and I, or the ushers and I, are going to be, two of us are going to walk down this aisle, one's going to walk down that aisle, and one's going to walk down that, that aisle, Okay? You are to move your candle to the person whose candle is already lit. The reason for that is so that you don't get burned or have any hot wax put on you. Okay? So if your candle is not yet lit, you are the one to move your candle to make sure that that gets lit. Okay? All right. Thank you, Bob. And so with that, that's all of the announcements that we have. We will begin with our worship service here this evening. Please stand.
So we begin this Christmas Eve evening in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Christmas is a time of prayer. Psalm 141 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Give ear to me and hear my prayer. The heavens proclaim His righteousness. I'm sorry. And all people see His glory. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright in heart. Please be seated. Would all of you pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this evening from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. A family 
sits in the waiting room, waiting to see if the surgery came out okay. And they're nervous, and they're worried. Before going in, the surgeon said that he wasn't quite sure how everything was going to work out, but he was going to do his best. And the doctor walks back out to you in the waiting room, and the surgery went just fine. And your loved one is going to be okay. You are sitting in the doctor's office. And you sit and you wait and you sit and you wait and you sit and you wait some more, waiting for him to come back with your diagnosis. And you're nervous. And you're worried. And the way that the doctor sort of described what was going on with you, he made it sound like he wasn't so sure that everything was going to be okay. But the door opens. The doctor has a smile on his face, and yes, everything is going to be okay. A married couple that has tried for years to become pregnant, that has gone through so many miscarriages and so many false alarms. And then finally, they too are waiting in the doctor's office. And they're anxious and they're worried. And they are desperately hoping and praying that this time they are going to have a child. And the doctor walks in. He's got a big smile on his face. And yes, the couple is pregnant. You've gone, to the, you, you've gone to the interview, and you thought that it went really, really well. You thought that you had prepared very well for it. You thought that you gave really good answers. And you wait for two weeks, waiting for them to call you back. And by about the second week, you begin thinking, I didn't get it. What am I going to do? And you wait, and you wait some more, and then two weeks later, to the day, the potential employer calls you back, and yes, you did get the job. And you're going to have a steady income for your family, and everything is going to be okay. You wait for the results of your exam, the test that you took, the test that you studied really, really, really hard for. And you were pretty sure that you knew just about every answer that was asked you, and, you were, and you're pretty sure that you answered almost every one of them correctly, if not all of them. And finally, you're able to go online, as they do nowadays. Everything is online. And you go to your class, and you see it. Not only did you pass, but you got an A. And everything is going to be okay. A military family who finally learns that their mom 
or dad is going to be coming home. Finally. Mom or dad has been deployed for six months, a year, perhaps even a couple years. And the family hasn't seen their loved one for that long, and they are so excited and so overjoyed to see them. And they're able to to see them walking through the gate in the airport, and there are hugs all around, and you're glad that you're back to be, you're glad that you're back to being together once more and being a family. For thousands and thousands of years, the people of God waited, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited. They waited until the promises of God would be fulfilled. The promised Messiah would come. Their re-entry into paradise, their re-entry into Eden, would once again be made possible. And their relationship with God would finally be restored. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And throughout those thousands of years, those years were filled with many false alarms, many false hopes, failed leadership. They were filled with good people who had gone wrong and bad people who had gone worse. Until that night, until that night when Mary and Joseph welcomed the Savior of the world to earth. And everything was going to be okay. That God Himself would once again be with His people. That God would walk among them. And the Messiah was, was more than I think we can say that they ever expected. You see, not only was he their Savior, but he was human, just like them. He would be tempted and hurt physically and emotionally in every way that you and I have been hurt. Salvation would finally come. Now, there are some times, as all of us know, that many of us here today are even going through this very evening when the news is not so great. When the, di- when the diagnosis comes back and it's not what you wanted. When the married couple that has tried for years to have a child is going to have to wait longer. When a family sits in the waiting room, waiting to see if the surgery came out okay, and actually it didn't come out okay. It is for these reasons that a Savior has been born to you. It is for these reasons and so many others that perhaps you aren't even aware of 
but a Savior has been born to you. This is what the Gospels speak of. They use precise language. So when the angel comes and he delivers his gospel, he delivers his good news from the very mouth of God himself, he says to you this day, a Savior has been born. The good news of Jesus triumphs over any bad news that we have experienced, any bad news that we will experience. Because to you and I this day a Savior has been born. Salvation has come to us. To you that day Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves, was born. To you that day was born the perfect blood that was needed so that you might gain access again to paradise. So that on the last day, you would be counted among those who are sheep. You would be counted among those who are going with the Christ to his heaven. So that you might have hope today. So that you might have hope today through the good and the bad that this side of eternity brings. That you might have hope for the day that will come. In our Lord's second advent, that day to come, except this time it will not be in meekness, the Kids tonight are going to be singing songs that I'm sure all of you have sang many, many times before, and it talks about how Jesus was born in a very meek and a very humble way. But when Jesus returns again, and I guarantee you He will, He will not be meek, He will not be humble, He will be mighty, majestic, and powerful. And everybody, trust me, everybody is going to know. It's just like the Apostle Paul writes about in his letter to the Philippians. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so as you listen here tonight, as you worship here tonight, that is the good news that has been given to you. To you, salvation has come. To you, this day, a Savior has been born. Salvation today has come to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Students, please stand. We begin our journey of a Christmas prayer with the introduction to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in Heaven. Twice in the Gospels, we find the words to the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Matthew 6 includes it as part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Among the many instructions he gave to his listeners, one included the words to the Lord's Prayer. 
Jesus said, This is how you should pray. And so he said, You may be seated. The Lord's Prayer opens with the words, Our Father in Heaven. Our God is not a distant God who lives somewhere far away from us. He is not a cold God who cares little for us. Rather, He is our loving Father who knows each of us by name. And He is not only our Father, but He is also the Father of Jesus. We are blessed to be part of God's family where we can come to him as dear children come to their dear father. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you, and you will conceive and give forth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Holy Spirit will come on you, so the most power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the heart of one to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke 1, verses 26 through 35. In the first few words, Jesus sets the tone of his prayer. God is our Father, we are his children. What a wonderful family to be a part of.
hallowed be thy name. Each of us was given a name on the day we were born. At that moment, we took on a certain identification. We were labeled with a name. Sometimes the names given to children have great meaning. When Jacob was born, he was the second of a set of twins. At birth, he seemed to be holding onto his brother Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob, heel grabber. When we speak of God, we find that the Bible gives the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit many different names. Each name tells us something different about the work they do. Someone has counted as many as 956 names for God. That's a lot of names that tell about God. We hear the name Father in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. We hear of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22. He put his spirit in our hearts. You are to give the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins.
Thy kingdom come. What is a kingdom? The dictionary defines the word kingdom in two different ways. First, it says that a kingdom is a place ruled by a king or queen. From their thrones and great palaces and castles, these kings and queens ruled over their kingdoms. However, as time went by, these kingdoms disappeared and new ones were formed. The world's kingdoms are not lasting kingdoms. However, the dictionary also defines the word kingdom as the place where God reigns. That is the kingdom Jesus was speaking of. Everyone who believes that the baby Jesus came to redeem all people is a part of that kingdom. The Holy Spirit lives in everyone who is a part of God's kingdom. Although Jesus was the king of all creation, his coronation did not include a crown, a robe, or a fancy throne from which to rule. Rather, he came as a tiny baby to humble parents, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and lying in a lowly cattle stall. Yet, there in that stable lay the king whose kingdom would never end. In Mark 1, verse 15, John the Baptist shouted, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus tells us the reason he came down to earth. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent.
They will be done. Do you know what God wants? Do you know what his plan is? There may come times in our lives when we aren't so certain of those answers, but we can take comfort knowing that everything that happens to us as God's children is part of God's will. God's plan was for people to live forever in the beautiful Garden of Eden, but we know that Adam and Eve ruined that when they decided to eat from the forbidden tree. As a result, they were sure to die, for that was the punishment for their sin. In Genesis 2, verse 17, God warned you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, when you eat from it, you are certainly die. But that wasn't the end of it. God's plan continued. He went on to tell Adam and Eve that although they would now have to die for He would provide a Savior to rescue them from eternal death. That Savior would be Jesus Christ. Genesis 3 verse 15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and your offspring and hers. I will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God's will is still being carried out. Throughout history, he has shown us that He has a plan for all people, including us. That plan is to welcome everyone into heaven to share in his glory as his redeemed children. We see God's will throughout the Christmas story. On earth, the manger, the stable, the crowded inn, Mary and Joseph, and the shepherds played a part in in God's plan. In heaven, God's will was displayed when the angels broke into song over the hills of Bethlehem. Every detail was carefully followed, just as God willed it. God's will was further carried out at the cross. Here, Jesus suffered and died for us, all part of God's gracious plan.
Jesus spoke about God's gifts or blessings when he taught us the Lord's Prayer. He said, Give us today our daily bread. With these words, he was teaching He was teaching us to ask God to continue to feed, clothe, protect, and care for us. We would not be able to live without God's blessings. But our daily blessings aren't the only gifts that God gives us. This is Christmas. What would Christmas be without gifts? We all love to get and to give gifts. It's part of our Christmas tradition. Do you know where it all began? It started with the special gift that God gave to us. The extra special gift was presented to us in the manger in Bethlehem. The gift was Jesus. Because of that gift, we now continue the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time. God speaks about his precious gift when he says in Romans 6, verse 23, The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus' prayer teaches us to rely on him. It teaches us that God is the source of all that we need. This is why he commands his disciples to pray in this way. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Let's hear about this special gift as Luke 2 tells us. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn a son. He wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living in fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, that which the Lord has told us about. 
So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Do you have any debts? Is there anyone to whom you owe something? Perhaps the first thing we think about owing is money for something very costly. Houses, cars, and education are very difficult things to purchase without going into debt. Maybe your family is working towards paying off something. Have large debts can often cause us to worry about how we will be able to pay them all. Do you know that we all have a debt with God? We owe him for all the times we have sinned. Every day we think, say, or do things that are not very pleasing to God, and we need to pay for them. But no matter how hard we try, our debt only grows bigger. Our sins pile up because we can't find a way to pay for them all. How could we ever hope to pay God what we owe him? Here's the good news of Christmas. Our hope was lying in Bethlehem's manger. There, as a baby, lay Jesus, our Savior. There, wrapped in swaddling clothes, was the only one who could pay the enormous price for our sins. When Jesus grew to be a man, he died on the cross and paid that debt forever. He didn't pay it with gold or silver, because that would have fallen far short of the huge debt we owed. Instead, he paid it with his precious blood. Through Jesus' blood, we now have forgiveness of sins. This is the center of the Christmas message. This is the reason we are here today, to celebrate Jesus' birth. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23 say, We were bought with a price. And John 3, verse 16 says, 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Christmas account is filled with people traveling along different paths. Mary and Joseph traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The shepherds traveled from hillside to stable. The wise men traveled many miles to find their Savior. And Joseph took his family on a long trip to Egypt after Jesus was born. Everyone here today traveled different paths to get here. Some drove many miles, while others just a short distance. And so it is with life. We are all traveling along different pathways. We begin the day we are born and continue on that path until the day we die. For some, traveling the path takes a long time. For others, it may be a short journey. Some may experience all sorts of problems along the way, while others have an easier journey to make. As God's children, we are all looking for a special destination at the end of our journeys. That destination is heaven. As we travel through this life, we look forward to finally arriving at the home God has prepared for us. (coughs) 
Unfortunately, our travels meet many obstacles along the way. There are dangers and temptations. There are evils that try to make us take detours away from heaven. In this section of Jesus' prayer, he tells us that, it's, that it is God who leads us on this path. And our prayer is that as he leads us, he will keep us safe from the devil's schemes. We are thankful that Jesus knows the way, and he has promised to be with us the entire journey. In John 14, verse 2, Jesus said to his disciples, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come back and take you with me so that you may be where I am. But Thomas was confused. He said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how do we know the way? But Jesus answered him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life.
Almighty God, by the incarnation of your eternal Son, you have revealed that you are love. Give us true faith in Christ and his promise that by his conception, virgin birth, holy life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection, our sins are forgiven and we are yours. Increase our love for one another. For as you abide in us, we abide in you, and your love is perfected in us. Fill us with joy and lead us to proclaim your glad tidings to all people. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, by his birth in human flesh, your dear son took his place in the family of Mary and Joseph. Bless the families of our church and our country, that all would live faithfully as husbands and wives, loving and caring for their children, nurturing them in the grace and all of the truth of your word. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this evening. We give you thanks for all of the effort and for the preparation that went into making this evening possible. Lord, we thank you that the name that we are gathered under here tonight is the name that is above every name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, the good news in human form. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Verses 4 and 5 from Of the Father's Love Begotten tell us of God's kingdom and immense power. Let the heights of heaven adore him. Angel hosts his praises sing. Powers, dominions bow before him. Extol our God and King. Let no tongue on earth be silent, and every voice in concert ring, evermore and evermore. Christ to thee, with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, we bring him in chant and high thanksgiving and unending praises sing. Honor, glory, and dominion, and eternal victory, evermore and evermore. Christmas is a time of great joy. We find the love of God shining brightly in the Christmas story. Mary said, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb because he was in the presence of Jesus. Zechariah said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. The angels sang, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. What a joyful occasion that first Christmas was, and that joy continues today. So we can join in giving God our praises, for it truly is the kingdom and the kingdom and the power and the glory.
We will now be singing the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Please stand. We now pray together the prayer that our Lord gave us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.
If you yet do not have a church home, we invite you to come and be a part of ours. We worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, we will be worshiping tomorrow morning for Christmas Day worship at 10 a.m. also. We pray that you have a very, very merry Christmas.